Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate marriage, family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins, and I'm here with my teammate, co-host and the president of Canacuck Camps, <laughs> Joe White. Shay, it's always great to be with a man like you. Well, I'm happy to be here with you, Coach. <laughs> um, we've got a big topic for the day. We're living in tumultuous times with, uh, man, so many things colliding together. You've got the coronavirus pandemic, you have racial injustice tension, you have polarizing political tensions, and so on. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Um, but the reality is, is that you know, you spend any time on social media and the weight of the world begins to crash down on your soul. And, and frankly, I don't, it doesn't matter who you are or how strong you are. It, it's weighty, it's heavy, and it's hard to deal with. And so we've, we brought in just some really um, special friends of ours to speak into this. The name of our podcast today is A Peaceful Spirit in Tumultuous Times. Shay, you've picked two Canuck uh, heroes to be with us today. On my left is uh, Lindsay Rother. And Lindsay, I wish everybody knew Lindsay. I will tell you, of all the years, 50 years of Canuck, um, I know few other women that have been as sought after by children and by counselors <laughs> and by leaders as Lindsay. Uh, this dear lady is highly respected around Kanakuk land. And, you know, when she speaks, um, wisdom comes out of her mouth. She's very humble, by the way. She's a very meek person. Um, but um, I'm excited that you, that you chose Lindsay for this delicate topic. Mm -hmm. And uh, Keith Chancey is probably... Uh, quote unquote, every kid's hero. Um, Keith is the ever ready, you know, bunny <laughs> around, you know, Canacuck. Uh, he's a, he's the most enthusiastic, electrifying, probably human being that I've ever met in my life. Keith is electrifying. There's no doubt and about children it. Children just love, you know, he directs K-70 and he directs the Kennecook Institute and kids just, of, of you know, college graduates and uh, and then high school kids just gravitate to this man and every word he says. I can't wait to hear this. I know, this is going to be good. <laughs> Chancey, Lindsay, welcome to the Kennecook Podcast. It's great to be here today. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks so much. We're excited to be here. So, Chancy, before we get started, tell us, you know, we're, we're getting ready to launch another Canuck Institute year. You've got a ton of just amazing college graduates that are coming to Branson, Missouri, of all places. Tell us about the Canuck Institute and what you're doing there. You know, I, I sure appreciate this opportunity to be here today and to tell you a little bit about the Canuck Institute. You know, as you guys are going to address some issues today, uh, we believe that we've got to raise up a next generation of people, men and women, that are going to be able to handle accurately the word of truth, that are going to be able to uh, encourage others from the word of, of what they believe. You know, there's such a thought in today's world that everybody uh, seems to speak their opinions. And we have got to help people understand that 
Opinions are okay, but convictions are much stronger. The convictions of the Word of God and the opinions of what I think, and we've got to mesh those two together that bring forth the truth and reality of what God really, how, how He wants us to love. And so the reason we started the Institute was to bring in the best of the best leaders that are college graduates that will come here. They're doctors. They, they want to be doctors, lawyers, teachers, coaches, parents, whatever it is, they come here. Some of them will go into youth ministry. A lot of them will go into the marketplace ministry. But every one of them, without a doubt, will have a ministry. And so we want to equip them with 2 Timothy 2.2 that will be entrust into these young men and women who will also entrust into others the Word of God. And so that is simply put what we want to do. We want to take these kids, bring them to Branson. Spend nine months investing in them and infusing them the word of God and allowing them to not be to be no longer conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of their mind that they speak the word boldly. And so we're excited about that, Shay and Joe. Thank you for the privilege of being able to ask us about the Institute. You know, Chancy, I'm sitting in here and there's five of us in here. So the four at the table and Reed Towns is over here being our sound engineer, which is amazing that he has this <laughs> skill set. What a man. But uh, three of the five of us are Canicuck Institute graduates. Oh, I graduated uh, 16 years ago and it continues to impact my life mm -hmm. today. I, mm -hmm. I couldn't be a bigger fan of what you're doing. And in light of our conversation, you know, they truly are our best and brightest. Mm -hmm. Um but tell us a little bit about the, and, and Lindsay, you can speak into this too. Tell us about the emotional state of our best and brightest. I mean, they're coming out of this world. They're coming to a place where they're able to focus and, and to grow in intimacy with the Lord and intimacy of community. And so you get to know them really well. Where are they at emotionally in the midst of all the things that are swirling around them today? Lindsay, why don't you kind of jump on that a little bit? It's, it's interesting in a culture where truth is really being questioned if it's real or not and becoming relative. There's almost this increased demand for truth. And we're seeing people be interested in things and programs like the Canicuck Institute, because I just believe that they are longing to actually mm. know what is true and what is unchanging as the world is changing every direction that they look in. So you're, you're seeing these students come out of really a lot of isolation of college ending differently and graduation happening virtually. Mm -hmm. And then this summer, so many of them, we got to see them at camp just living their best lives because we were not built to live in isolation. And so we are watching students learn how to navigate and, and create what it looks like to continue to live in fellowship with one another and ultimately in fellowship with the God who created them while seeking truth in the midst of an ever-changing world that's just giving opinion and lies. So, so Lindsay, do I hear you saying um, that the more the world becomes unstable and the more truth becomes relative, and the results of that being behavior that's unbiblical, shameful, uh, guilt-driven, that students are really wanting more to long for the truth of God, mm -hmm. truly? That's exactly what you're hearing. I, I see a generation that is tired of being lied to or being hmm. driven by fear mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. just being told 
what to do of their exploring and really desperate to find out where they can actually find hope. And they're finding out that the world doesn't have a lot to offer mm. in that regard. And so they're, they're beginning to turn to mm. the things of God to answer those big questions in That's life for them. Really encouraging. That's really encouraging. Chance, how many years have you been doing ministry? <laughs> That's a great question. You know, I started all the way back to college at Washita Baptist University, and they asked me to be the president of FCA when one of the guys had to leave school because his dad died. And I had no idea what to do. And so I've been doing this for, you know, over 40 years and, wow. and just love the privilege of handling acting. How old were you when they asked you to do that? Oh, man, I'm 20 years old. And, and I I'd just become a Christian the year before. <laughs> and so. Uh, growing up the way I grew up with a broken home, you know, I, I had a lot of issues with God because I misunderstood who God really was. You see, because my picture of God is if God was good, then why is there so much pain in the world? My parents had divorced. My dad had been abusive. And as a result of that, I was very confused in Christianity. And I didn't really want to have much to do with it because I didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. All I felt like is if you go to church, they're going to tell me the do's and don'ts and it's going to be religion. And one day I came to Christ because the guy began to share with me the relationship and that changed my life. Hmm. And so doing ministry, as long as I've done it, I've, that's the thing that I want to impart more to anybody is the relationship hmm. because without the relationship, it is nothing but religion. Right. Do's and don'ts. Do's and don'ts. So over four decades, what have you seen change? Like what are some of the things that the young leaders are facing today that maybe that they haven't ever faced before? Mm, you know, and what are the impacts of it? The impacts are what we're seeing with the Institute. You know, Romans 125 says for Satan exchanges the truth of God for a lie. Mm -hmm. And what I've watched over four decades is that that lie began with, you know, sticking a piece of gum in a girl's hair. And now we don't know who we are to become. And so we've come a long way since the gum to now of what our struggles are. Kids are having a hard time knowing which bathroom to go to. And you're going, this is so tough because the scriptures define these things. And, and so what we watch with these kids coming from universities where they have supposedly gotten the greatest education in the world is they're coming into the Institute beaten. And it's almost as if they've been beaten beyond recognition. They can't even see themselves for who they were or are. And they're coming to the Institute going, peace, help me. I want to be fixed. I want to get my moral compass back. Mm. And they have made so many mistakes that they don't understand the forgiveness that God could only bring to them through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the first week of the Institute, we spend the first week, almost two weeks, doing nothing but helping them understand a personal evaluation of themselves to get fixed back with who Jesus is and put him in, their, in the proper perspective of their life. And so, you know, that's what I've noticed, Shay and Joe, over this time of the four decades of ministry is that it's just sin has become more magnified and more glorified. And the absolute truth has been. It's almost vanished. That's right. And so here they are going, what do I do? And so they come here and this year we're going to have our biggest class ever of the Institute because of that very reason. Mm -hmm. They are begging, please help me put the pieces back together in my life because I want to live in freedom. You know, uh, Proverbs 28, 13 says, and, and I love this passage because the author here says, he who, uh, um, he who conceals his sin will not prosper, but he who confesses it and forsakes it will find mercy. Mm, 
was so good. You're able able to teach the students that. Lindsay, what about the imprisonment of the uh, of the iPhone? What what oh, difference man. has that made? She's asking about the last forty years. What about the last ten years? Um, what, what's what, what is the life of the iPhone doing to uh, students today? Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about idols biblically and we think about them as you know stone mm. statues mm. or whatever it might be but mm. so often there's commonplace principles in our American culture that I just mm. immediately go to idols mm. to and it, it feels like there's a rectangle mm. box in the majority mm. of our hands that mm. have become our idol and we're mm. quicker to turn to that rather than to anything else whether that's conversation mm. with people whether that is this conversation with the Lord, time in God's word, just even healthy, healthily taking care of your own body, whatever it might be, it's easier to flip to something to zone out of. And really, I think that the enemy has had the ability to infiltrate our minds through something that doesn't have to be negative, doesn't have to be a bad thing. There's positive and good purposes for it. But when we're so distracted and consumed, by the things going on in the world or on our social media feeds or text messages, we miss what's actually happening right in front of us. And we miss the good works that God's prepared in with, advance with, for us to walk in. With Facebook and Snapchat mm -hmm. and, and Twitter and Instagram uh, mania, how is it shaping and this is so, you know, whatever age our listeners are, this is for all of us, you know, from age seven or 10, whenever a kid gets an iPhone, people say, what's the best age to give your child an iPhone? Mm -hmm. And some wise man said, as soon as you want them to start doing porn. <laughs> um, from whatever age our listeners are, um, how's the iPhone shape behavior, Lindsay? You're a very wise person. I'm not flat. But how does the iPhone shape a student's behavior? Yeah, it's amazing to watch how it breeds comparison. Of that might be more of a girl thing than a guy thing, but mm. girls are so quick to want to know what everybody else is doing and the things that, that they have that maybe somebody else doesn't and, and really just either want to assert themselves over of I'm doing better than this group of people mm. or feel underserved. And well, what did I do wrong? I didn't get these things of I just I see a culture of comparison being bred mm. into a Anx culture and anxiety, fear, exactly. depression, suicide. Exactly. Mm. So that then immediately translates into all of those other things. And then you've got this constant news feed filtering into your thoughts. And scripture's so clear that that our mind is the battleground. Mm -hmm. And when we're dwelling on the things of the world and the things of our peers and you know, our own, what is, you know, going on. And we feel like we have this platform that we can constantly put out our, our feelings and our opinions. Of course, there's going to be anxiety rising up in us because we're not dwelling on things that, mm. that are good and right and honorable and pure and ultimately of God. And so mm. if we could train ourselves to have boundaries mm. with our iPhones and, and just make decisions of I'm not going to spend more than this amount of time mm -hmm. on this, then that would transform the way that we interact with people. And ultimately, there is a direct correlation to anxiety. You mm -hmm. can see it in every study that's out there that, that when phone use and social media use increases, mm -hmm. that, that anxiety and fearfulness and depression increases 
as well. I think that we really have an opportunity to come alongside a generation and help them understand healthy principles mm. of how to let those things be good, used for good rather than harm. So yeah, I think that uh, from my you know experience that that I can say, um, you know, f five decades of working with young people uh, and adults that this is this is the most anxious, fearful generation ever. I believe. I agree, and I believe that anxiety is the new pornography. Mm. I mean, mm. you know, when when the phone came out, and you know. People had access to the internet for the first time in such a simple way, easy, quick, mm -hmm. in a moment's notice. You know, you get the, a wave of pornography that takes over society. And then I think this new wave has been a wave of, of anxiety that's just crushing with the comparison, mm -hmm. with being out of control, with fear. And, and, and frankly, we need to, I mean, as the church and as, uh, you know, ministers within the camp setting, we have to become masterful mm -hmm. at teaching people how to deal with anxiety in a healthy way. Because mm -hmm. anxiety has been around since the very beginning, yep. right? Mm -hmm. This is not a new phenomenon. Mm -hmm. We do have a new set of circumstances. Mm -hmm. I mean, even in the last six to eight months with the coronavirus pandemic, it's magnified our connectedness on our phone and our mm -hmm. computer. I mean, you think about how people have been isolated and, and even, you know, education and work has been driven through the phone and the computer. Everything's been magnified mm -hmm. and w we've got to go to war against this, to educate mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. come alongside. So what's your first, I mean, you've been around kids forever and you're super talented yourself. Uh, I, I say talented, super capable yourself in working with, you know, kids. What's your first tip for how to deal? I mean, I'm age 71. I want to know, and I'm sure our listeners are every age in between. Mm -hmm. how, how do you say uh, when you're teaching how to deal with anxiety in a healthy way? Yeah. Well... I mean, I just walk through steps with scripture and, you know, and I do this personally, maybe a dozen times a day, sometimes more, but you know, the first place I'm going is Philippians four, six through eight mm -hmm. to be anxious about nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving to present your requests of God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so the first thing I mean, literally, I was practicing it this morning, rocking on the porch. Um, there's some things that are that I'm anxious about right now. And the first thing I want to do is I want to confess my sin. I want to invite the Spirit to fill me. And then I want to bring my request to God. And and that's, that's what I did. That's you know, I mean, there's there's probably, I think there's two or three things right now that are really weighing on me. They're legitimate. They're legitimate concerns. But that's where I start. And I feel like I need to pass it to Chansey. That's then the, the scripture goes to Thanksgiving, right? Mm -hmm. So I present my requests. Mm -hmm. And then it says, with Thanksgiving. Chance, mm -hmm. why does it say with Thanksgiving? Mm -hmm. You know, Shay, that's a great question. And Joe, that's a, you know, what we're dealing with, with the effects of social media is, has become so catastrophic to these kids. You know, they... 
they fail to see the thanksgiving that God has given to them. You know, with thanksgiving that I go, I know God wants my very best. I know he wants to give me the very best thing he wants to give to me. But somewhere I've believed the lie that the devil has given to me that I, you know, I'm missing out on something. That FOMO thing, it is a real deal. You know, and watching, you know, raising Callie and Cameron, my kids, and we had a basket that sat at the front door. And every single kid that came to my house would get mad because they had to put all the cell phones in the basket. But we said, we're going to protect you because we're not going to let you walk any further. We're going to our house is a house of communication, but not one of social media. Now, not that social media is bad. Because it has good, but we have we've really come to the point where we go the good of, of what social media has done for us. There are great things there. But the bad that it's done is it's made such a it's made such a facade of fake friends, of fake even families, of fake happiness, of everything that's fake in the world. And if I don't help my kids understand, guys, you don't find realness in that phone because what they're saying is over. I, I forget. It's three billion users of social media. And of those three billion users of social media, what they're saying is that. Every single person in America is using social media over two hours and 24 minutes a day. Well, that's plenty of time for us to sit down and have a good quiet time to discipline ourselves and to find the parameters and the boundaries that you've talked about. If we don't have good boundaries, we're never going to be thankful. Mm-hmm. We're never going to be happy because we're going to keep seeing what other people have on the other side of the fence. And the problem is now the ugly begins to happen in my social media world is that now I can these kids of today can never leave if they break up in a relationship. A guy girl breaks up and they move to another state. It's still upon them because social media allows them to keep seeing now seeing what that boy, who he's dating, what he's doing and the pain and the dagger, the heart keeps being seen. And if we can't help our our kids and y'all, the listening audience, know you've got to, 1 Timothy 4, 7 says, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. We've got to help you guys to be retransformed of the brain that you're disciplining yourself with a purpose greater than yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that thankfulness that I have that go back, goes back to the Philippians passage is that I'm thankful that God, God, thank you for giving me the word. Thank you for giving me my uh uh, my social media Bible, so to speak, because because most kids now are looking at their Bible on this on their phone. The problem is they don't know where Matthew or Mark are because all they do is plug in Matthew. They have no idea of the extensiveness of their Bible because it's been so easily given to them. They can't tell you the books of the Bible, that there's 66 books of the Bible written by over 40 different authors over 1500 years. They cannot do that. And so we've got to retrain them to go, let's fall in love with the word and then give them a social media, you know, some uh, ability to use that. Mm-hmm. But what we've done is we've given them some without giving the other. We haven't given them the word first. And if they can't handle that one first, they're always going to make a mistake in thinking they're substitute. I'm missing out on something. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's just something that I've been very, very convicted about is that if I was to have kids today that I would help them understand there is good. Because I don't want to tell you, the audience out there, that that this is a bad thing. It can be used for great. But there is bad. And there is a real ugly. When students come to the Institute, we'll spend a lot of time helping them to have to get rid and unload a lot of baggage that they've taken. Because they've taken in themselves things that they have not taken captive toward the obedience of Christ. It's been ugly things. 
And so now we're having to help them get rid of those things. The things they concealed, not the 98%, but the 100% that they've concealed, that we allow them to be freed of that. And we allow them now to walk in righteousness with God. And mm-hmm. that's the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. Let me, I want to put a capstone on that thankfulness. You know, one, uh, just a great illustration is if you take your, we, I got a bottle sitting in front of me, but if you take your bottle cap and you put that bottle cap, close one eye and put the bottle cap over the eye that's open, all you can see is the inside of that bottle cap. And when I'm focused, hyper-focused on that which I can't control, it, it becomes everything. Mm. It becomes overwhelming. But as I approach the throne of God and petition him to ask him for help, and I do it with a a heart that begins to say everything I'm thankful for, all the things that I've been provided for, everything that is okay in my life, all Mm. the blessings that are, what happens is it's like that bottle cap gets further and further away from my face. And all of a sudden, Mm. it's just a very small piece of my entire perspective. And that's what a, gra- a heart of gratitude does. But we, you have to practice that. Yes, it is. Um, Lindsay, one of the you know one of the major issues in regard to anxiety is control, right? Mm. And you know, I know that you've got a lot of experience working with students through the control or lack thereof. Talk to us a little bit about you know um, what it means to trust the Lord with control and sovereignty over your life. Yeah, man, my, my mind immediately goes to, to my hands and just something that I, I use a visual of a mm. lot with just girls in my life is just having open hands and just this mindset of holding loosely. And we so badly want to hold tight and be in control of our circumstances. And, and really, I think that that's what we're watching happen mm. right now is we were never in control. Mm-hmm. There was just this illusion of control. And as our schedules have been shifted and, uh, you know, school has gone virtual mm-hmm. and all of these different things, these comforts and uh, just securities have been taken away. It's just mm. shown the spotlight on the fact that we were really never in control to start with. And so personally, um, it's God's job to be in control. And whenever I can come back to the character of God, that changes the way that I approach situations. It just does. So Mm. for me, I'm 33 and stood in the majority (laughs) of my friends' weddings and held the majority of my friends' kids and, and whatever else. And there can be a flesh side of me that wants to ask these questions about you know, well, did I do something wrong or did God forget about me or whatever it might be of just, I want to control or manipulate what I thought my life was going to look like at this season. And really quickly, because of the truth of God's word and how I've trained that to renew my mind, I get to go back to, no, 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 that's not true. Your, your adequacy isn't found in your life stage. Mm -hmm. It's found in who God's created you to be. And you get to live in that and and it just changes my my perspective of I've gotten to do some amazing things uh, because of my life mm-hmm. stage and if I would have been in control I would have shifted the direction of my life really quickly mm-hmm. and so if we could just step back and truly trust in the character of God 
and let our hope be fixed there, not in our circumstances of the world or our own personal lives. It would transform the way that we view things. Mm -hmm. And this idea of control really is driving a lot of our, mm -hmm. our anxiousness anyway. And that's why Paul says, be anxious for nothing. And he's, he's calling us or charging us to find our contentment in the Lord. When you drop down in Philippians 4, he, he unpacks what it looks like to be content in whatever it is that God brings our way. And mm -hmm. that's really the, the combat to control. Yeah. That's great. We got to shift this over to Joe. I mean, <laughs> coach, over the last two years, oh, you've yeah. had both legs amputated. And it has not been an easy road. Mm. Um, it hadn't been pretty. But sitting with you now, I mean, there is a piece that is mm -hmm. just, it's inspiring. It's hard to explain. It is, it's godly. It's not of this world. And you've let go of some control. I mean, I mean... 10 years ago, you could, you were doing a hundred push-ups in the weight room and shaming all of us. You know, I mean, just a phys, you've been a physical freak your whole life mm -hmm. and, and God has taken control and yet, and what he's left behind is, is beauty. Mm. Talk to us about that journey. I mean, how, how can you advise us, you know, wrestling with our own stuff, you know, after having walked through to a tumultuous two years. Mm -hmm. I'll just hitchhike on what Lindsay said. Thank you, Lindsay. Um, this is going to sound crazy, Shay, but um, amputated legs has been one of the greatest gifts of my life. I've never been happier in my life. I've never been more excited to live. Mm -hmm. I've never pressed into the Lord so much. And Lindsay, um, I love what you're saying. Um, Shay, I've got two majors in my life, and here's where control gets banished in my world. Um, I have two majors in my life, my relationship with the Lord and the relationship with myself in light of what I'm doing professionally with my wife, kids, grandkids. And if, if, if I'm peaceful, and I am, if I'm peaceful in my commitment to Christ, and as Lindsay said, to the Word of God, if I'm peaceful there, mm -hmm. and I am Shay, I am, I love the Word of God, and I love the one who wrote it. I love it with all my heart. Mm -hmm. It's all I've got. It's not just an idea to me, Lindsay. It's all I've got. And I've learned that through months and months of pain and, you know, 25 surgeries. And I don't know what all is going on lately. I just go in and say, poke me with a needle, somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, and then if I'm if I'm if I'm content with who I am in Christ and and with who I am to my wife and to my kids and to the work that I serve, then mm -hmm. uh, I'm a happy man. Mm -hmm. And she, uh I'm, I'm a happy man today. I can tell you that um, it's taken 71 years to to uh, to get all the other 
miners in my life. Miners are pain. Mm -hmm. Miners are suffering. Miners are inconvenience. Miners are what people think of me. Miner, all those things are just, they're just, and if the majors stay majors, then um, I, I don't worry about anything mm -hmm. else. I don't care. Wow. Wow. That's all wow. I can say. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's hard to even know where to go after that. Mm. I mean, Joe, getting to watch you, in quotes, walk through this has been um, amazing. I mean, really an amazing journey. Mm -hmm. You know, Chancey, your story is is filled with, filled with difficulty. Mm -hmm. You know, you had a a daddy that abandoned your family mm -hmm. and it really, it shaped who you are. You mm -hmm. become a, you're a, you're a dad, you know, you can turn into a dad sitting across from mm -hmm. somebody in a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. And, and so much of it has to do with your story, but tell us about your journey to peace. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, I've never experienced this, mm -hmm. but I can imagine mm -hmm. the hole that must have been there mm -hmm. when your dad mm -hmm. was all of a sudden, not there. Mm -hmm. You know, Shay, it's when I listen to Joe, it's the perspective that Joe has now that God gave him a peace. And I didn't have that at first. You know, when I um, was a young boy and I saw my dad, you know, slap me across the floor and uh, hurt me and hurt my mom and hurt my brother and sister. I blamed God for that. And it was anxiety isn't even a word. I mean, it was so beyond. It was anxiety filled with anger and hatred and all those things that you just feel. And, and I go, where is God? Why would he allow this to happen? And, you know, in a, it was as if God just said, listen, Chancey, I need you to understand something. And it goes all the way back to Genesis, you know, where in the beginning God created and he created man and woman. And then he said, you know, don't eat from the tree of good and evil. And when Adam and Eve ate and, and man failed, that's the result of sin. And that's why my dad beat me. It wasn't God. It was man. Hmm. And when I understood that it was not the God that created man, but the man that took life into his own hands and did what he wanted to do. Yes, my dad was an alcoholic. Yes, my dad was a horrific man at times. Well, my dad left my family at about the age of nine years old, and about 40 years later, he came back. God had taught me how to forgive my dad and love my dad. And I can honestly say today that the greatest moment was when my dad came home and I embraced my dad and within the next couple of weeks led my dad to Christ. Because the only thing that needed to happen in our relationship is Jesus. And that changed everything. It was a game changer. Keith, what was that like for you when you saw your uh, daddy pray and asked Jesus into his heart? I wept like a baby. Mm -hmm. As I feel as it feels right now, I got wept like a baby because I didn't understand. I, I wish he could have known. That, I wish I could have known my dad all of my life. But I realized that in that moment that my dad, I'll get to know him for all of eternity because of this moment. Mm. And it was about the blood of Jesus. And, and at that moment, my dad gave his life to Christ. Nine months later, my dad passed away. Mm. And during those nine months, I really took advantage of being able to be with my dad and talk to him and love him. And my mom didn't like that because she was mad at my dad 
And during that nine months, I watched my mom be reconciled with my dad, my brother and my sister. All of us were reconciled. Seriously. Because of forgiveness. Wow, and and it was so unbelievable how God did that. Awesome. And so, you know, when I when I hear this passage, I go, be anxious for nothing. Mm. Hey, good times are coming, but we got to put our focus where it needs to be. Not on the fake trust, but on the faith trust. And and we've got to pray. And the only thing the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to do was teach us to pray. And Keith Chancey has built his life upon just being a man of prayer. Mm. And I, even back then, I was praying for my dad. And you ought to see my prayer journals all the way marked back to 1977 of going, God, I wish one day I could see my dad again. And then that day when he came back, I'm able to circle that and date it that my dad came back. And then to be able to put, my dad came to Christ. <laughs> you just can't put that into words. It was unbelievable. Wow. So I, I look at this, you know, the anxiety that we're all out there facing, you know, it's there. But our God is sovereign and we know who wins. Mm -hmm. And so it, 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 I don't want to have regret in my life of wishing I would have said something when I could have and I didn't. But I want to say the greatest things I could and I want to talk about Jesus. And so today, you know, what's the answer? It is our prayers and it is Jesus. And he is the answer. And so, you know, Shay, thank you for, Joe, thank you for the privilege of being yeah. able to share that thought. Shay, we're talking about overcoming anxiety. Uh, and Lindsay, I'll just pitch the ball to you. Um, he talked about forgiveness and this light bulb went off in my mind uh, on how to erase anxiety. You talked about getting control mm -hmm. out of giving God control, going to the word. But in a practical sense is... Bitterness and anger, uh, an anxiety builder and his forgiveness, an anxiety eradicator. Yeah, but they have to be connected for sure. And just putting the thoughts together as you put it together in your head, but they have to be. And I even just think about this generation that's being raised up and really we're seeing an entitled generation be raised of not very many of my generation and younger have been told no very much. And really, I think about the hardest thing my generations really had to navigate is 9-11. And so coronavirus and everything going on today, my generation and younger is having to navigate hard in a different way. And I almost, as you said that, I'm thinking, wow, I bet that there's a lot of bitterness and frustration connected to things not going mm. the way that that we've seen them go mm. thus far in our in our journeys and our lives of we haven't had to do a mm. lot of hard things. And right now we're having to to face hard and reconcile that that life isn't always what you expect it to be and that we get to navigate tough situations. And the only way to do that is to let go of that entitlement or that bitterness or allowing there to be forgiveness of mm. self or forgiveness of the people around us, or maybe even forgiving God for mm. things that we've held him to that aren't true of his character, not really forgiving God, but getting to a place of understanding mm. the fullness of who he is of mm -hmm. really, there's probably an unweaving of an entitled generation becoming a more realistic generation that mm. prayerfully will pivot into a thankful generation. Ooh. 
Say that one more time. We're, we're probably watching a, an entitled generation be unwoven into a hopefully and prayerfully a thankful generation as we face mm-hmm. hard, hard situations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We'll close with that. That was awesome. Guys, mm-hmm. thank you so mm-hmm. much for taking time today. Um, there's some gold there. And uh, we appreciate you bringing your expertise and all those years and all those hardships Mm. to bear. We can all learn from them. And I'd like to thank our listeners for spending time with us today. We pray that this conversation serves to fuel up your I'm Third approach to spiritual growth. With that, I'd love to pray for you. Mm. Father God, we just come to you and we lift up the leaders out there and um those that are seeking to walk in intimacy with you and um, find themselves in difficult situation. We pray, God, that um, that your word would um, captivate our hearts, that it would become our focus, that we would follow you um, with obedience, that we would take all the resources that you're offering up to us, Lord, and, and that we would lay hold of them. I pray, God, that anxiety would evaporate and that peace would remain. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to marriage, family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com. Mm-hmm.